0: Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limbsdahl, and my guest this week is Carrie Bodine. Carrie is the co-author of Outside In and globally recognized customer experience expert. She founded Bodine and Co. in 2014 on the belief that unified and profitable customer experiences must be built from within, and that requires a new way of working and thinking. Carrie, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Nick. Really happy to that, be here.
0: Yeah, you and me both. So, the very first question I ask every single guest is, what's one thing people might not know about you? Mm,
1: Well, I am a huge typography nerd. So, I took a lot of uh, design classes in grad school and just came to love typography. And, you know, typography is an important part of the customer experience, of the user experience. Um, and so it's, it's definitely come in handy over the years professionally, but it's like everywhere around me, like I can't go to a restaurant and not just immediately zero in on, you know, the, the font uh, that they use, you know, the, the typeface, the size, the contrast um, between, you know, the, the lettering and the background that it's on. So I just I see it everywhere I go.
0: I think that's it's a blessing and a curse, though, right? It is you'll be looking at it, you're like, oh, that doesn't really make sense, or you shouldn't have done this, or here's a couple of things that you should have done in the future. So there's it's the same with customer experience. The more that you kind of are ingrained in customer experience and the more, the more you know, the worse those experiences are because you know what they could potentially be.
1: And you know what they could be doing behind the Mm. scenes to actually fix it. It's not just Oh, here's how I want this experience to go, or here's how I, I wish it would have gone. It, I I, I could help you. Um, yeah. I I could help you change the things internally that are actually causing this experience. Yeah,
0: that's that's what the podcast episode should have been. It's just us finding five companies that we worked with in the last week and just dissecting them. That will that will be episode number two of yes, the Nick and Carrie Show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Love
0: it. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, you talk about, and I saw I kind of mentioned at the very beginning, but you started Bodine and Co. in 2014 on the belief that unified and profitable customer experiences must be built from within. So tell me more about that. Like, where was this, this aha moment? And then what happened? And, and I kind of want to get into where does that start?
1: I think the aha moment for me was just realizing that so many organizations look to outside customer experience consultants. agencies to help them. And now this is kind of um, a bit ironic because I am a customer experience consultant as well. (laughs) I do believe that I take a different uh, approach to my consulting uh, than other firms, other from, you know, giant consulting firms to other niche agencies. But, you know, it's certainly i believe that consultants can come in and catalyze things help people learn new skills within organizations but just bringing a uh, consultant in and having them give you the answers that is not going to work ultimately because you know the the people within the organization you know let's think about like a 100,000 person organization you know the consultants are maybe working with 10 20 people they go off, they do their work, they deliver these you know findings on a silver platter like here, you should do this and this and this and this and this. and, and then ultimately, in order for those changes to stick, they've got to be trickled down into every single person that's working within an organization. And so first of all, I, I think there's a couple problems with that. is one, you know this this handing over answers on a silver platter. People support, people are invested in what they help to build. And so I am a huge believer of co-creation, co-developing solutions. Certainly, I do a lot of legwork in my um, consulting engagements. I'm not like pushing everything off on my consultant or on my my clients. But you know, it's got to be this this dance, this working together for the people who I'm working with to truly have buy-in that yeah, these are the the things that we need to change in order for them to take them both up the ladder to um, you know executive team to get you know. More complete buy-in um, on that level, and then also determining ways to make sure that people throughout the organization really understand what that means for them and and how they play a role in delivering on that new vision or changing the way that they work in a way that's going to support that.
0: I love that because it should be more of a it's not just I'm going to deliver this on a on a platter. It's more of of a relationship that we're building and the trust and the value that we're going to bring collectively because the consultant per se, isn't going to bring the value if they don't have the, the expertise or knowledge from in- inside or maybe some of the things that happen behind the curtain. And, exactly. and, and there's a lot of pain points that are not being shared with potentially that, that large customer experience expert consultancy but when you kind of get ingrained in the environment, they kind of let you behind the curtain a little bit. Kind of that, you know, if you see what's behind Circus Olay, is it really Circus Ola is there just a bunch of you know craziest in the background that are doing their, their best effort?
1: Right, and, right.
0: And it's probably more the sec- the latter than than not.
1: Yeah. And I I think another really important aspect of this is that. People at a working at a certain level of an organization, and it's different in every organization, and every organization has different titles for different hierarchies. Like, obviously, banks have very different titles. Everyone's a, a VP. Um, but, you know, in, in kind of a typical organization, um, you know, there are people at a, a certain level, and I'll just call it a VP level, but it, again, it might be higher or lower depending on your organization, the, the specifics of, of your org chart. Um, but they don't really know. How things really happen on a day-to-day basis, and if you don't get down to that next level or even the next level of the organization for people to say, like, well, this this is actually how we make that decision, or this is actually, you know, whatever it is, how the sausage is made, you know, you're you end up making decisions based on a bunch of flawed assumptions uh, and not really knowing the truth of. Of what's going on. If if you don't fully understand the problem space or the challenges that an organization truly has, there's no way you can develop solutions that are going to address those. So you gotta you gotta make sure that you're truly involving enough people and the right people within the organization. And that's not necessarily your your VPs or you know the people that you might initially think it is.
0: Yeah, it's it's asking that additional question too. It's not just saying like, hey, what are you guys doing today? What's working? What's not working? Well, tell me why it's not working. Well, it's, we've always done it this way. Well, why, why have you decided to do this for the last 20 years? Because you realized that it, has, it isn't working based off of this metric or based off of this, the right data or information. It's a problem in the industry. I think it needs to be fixed. But I think also the leaders up top, the consultants up top are just pitching this stuff and then kind of washing their hands and saying, Hey, I already did my project. Thanks for your money. I'm out.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, I think another really important thing is, you know, when you're when you're tapping into those people that that really know who really know what what's going on you know, they're going to have so many great ideas just off the bat, things that frustrate them every single day. And and they, they know there's some way to make it better. They may even know the solution. But I think there's also this storytelling aspect that um, is not utilized enough in organizations. So it's not just like, what do you think? What do you want to change? But it's tell me about a really challenging situation that you are in. Tell me that story. And, um, you know, what what really happened? What was your frustration? What do you think the customer frustration was? Or or maybe it's just internal to internal, Um, you know, tell me what happened from your perspective. And then you can start to find things that maybe aren't top of mind, but but you can start to see those patterns um, across the organization through that storytelling and people's true lived experiences.
0: Yeah, I love that. So you talk about storytelling. How do you, when you go back and You collect all of this information. You understand now the journey of the customer. You understand what they're trying to accomplish or where they want to go in the future. When you present back to those, that that frontline or whoever brought you in as a consultant, how often or how much does storytelling do you kind of equip those specific people for so then they can tell that story as they go upwards?
1: It is a huge part of how I am... Um, delivering information back uh to to whoever it is. Um, you know, and oftentimes I'm I'm delivering information back to people who have already heard that. They they heard that story firsthand from the customer because they were on a customer interview with me. Or um they were, you know, they've whatever it is. So so sometimes we like to keep things anonymous, but sometimes they've heard some of those stories. Um, but but yeah, it's it's all about telling kind of that aggregate story. And that's what one of the reasons I love journey maps so much is that they help you really visualize um, that and, and it's kind of weird because yes, it is an aggregate story, um, but it helps you visualize what are the the ups and the downs, um, you know, the the delighters and the the true challenges that customers are experiencing. Um, but then, you know, when I'm when I'm delivering that aggregate story, it's also about tapping into individual either customer or employee stories that really highlight um, some of the points that I'm trying to make. So um, it's it's a combination of that that aggregate view and then real things that actually happened um, to support that. Because people want to know that that aggregate story is actually real and truly reflective of, you know, reality.
0: Right. Yeah. So how do you, you have all this information, you now have the story to tell, you've you've pitched it to this, these, these people that have brought you in, how do they, what's the best way for them to get that buy-in? Is it also storytelling? Is it the right data? Like what, what else is it?
1: Yeah, so you know, buy-in is interesting because you know, again, if you, if you think about where most customer experience folks are working and where most consultants are are working, um, it's somewhere in middle management, right? It might be higher in middle management, lower in middle management, depending on what the initiative is, or again, how big the organization is, how they're structured. Um, but ultimately, um, you've got to get buy-in both up the ladder and then you know. I hate saying down but you know
0: yeah. in
1: the um you know org chart hierarchy um down to the people who are the individual contributors or maybe the the first line of of management um and so I think that uh the best way to do this is really you know when you're when you're going up the ladder to you know the the C team or maybe you know one tick down from them you got to show them the money like it is all about how does Uh, How will or how how are the bad experiences that are happening today? What is the actual impact that is having on the things that you care about most, Um, whether that's revenue, whether that's cost savings, whether that's growth, you know, whatever it is um, within an organization. But you've got to get that highest level of the organization making that connection in their head to. Yes, we we have to solve this. And this is something that I, I, I really think the, the customer experience discipline as a whole, whether you're an in-house practitioner, whether you're a consultant, we all have to get more disciplined around doing this. Um, we've got to put more rigor into actually connecting some of these changes to business outcomes. And I will admit it's really hard. Um, you know, it's a customer experience change. Can can take a long time, you know, to to actually see some, um, you know, some results, some tangible results, um, you know. And and what I find is that because um, I've sat on a lot of like award juries and you know talked to both customer experience, service design, talked to um, you know a lot of people who are trying to make the business case, and and they typically fall on one of two levels. They're they're either like too low and they're like we can't possibly identify what the what the business outcome is from from the initiatives that we've been doing and then sometimes they're they're too aggressive they're saying like oh our stock price went up three points or 10 points or 10% or, you know, whatever it is um, because we changed this one little thing over here and that's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we've got to get better at finding those true connections between the levers that we're pulling and some of the outcomes. And then when we think about activating individual contributors or people who work behind the scenes, you know, um, you know, whatever level, whatever level they're in an organization, but maybe they work in human resources or legal or finance. um, We got to make sure that they understand that what they do every single day is connected to the customer experience. And I haven't talked about um, the the six degrees of Kevin Bacon um, with this. And um, yeah, because it makes people laugh. And um, but, you know, there is I believe there is a connection from what every single person does back to the customer experience, whether it's an intern, whether it's a consultant, um, whether it's someone who's working on the customer experience team. And we got to We got to get better at making those connections more visible, more tangible for people as well.
0: It sounds like your next book is how do I get everybody bought in and understand their why when it comes to customer experience?
1: I love it. I'll start writing it this afternoon. That's a great idea. (laughs) I'll
0: I'll be your testimony in the back end.
1: Okay, great. Uh, uh,
0: This is great. No, I I think it's very important. and And I agree. Like, what is their why? What's their personal why? Like, why are they even there? What's your professional why? Why am I working? Who am I working for? And then what's the corporate why? Like, And then how does all of that align with customer experience? Mm -hmm. Because if it's not, I mean, obviously employee experience is also important, but if it's not aligned to customer experience, like why are you, why does your company exist? Right. And there should be plenty of reasons why it aligns with the customer experience. And, you know, the other thing that you did mention too was, and I really appreciate it because everybody talks about the buy-in. I didn't specifically say buy-in from the C-suite. I just said Mm buy-in. And I think it's interesting because you went, up to the C-suite and then you kind of went down a notch and then you also said the front line. And I think the front line has, actually does the work, right? They're the quote unquote minions who, who are the work. Not minions, wins.
1: not minions, <laughs> super important people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, but they also are very important because they have all of the knowledge. They know what the customer likes and what they don't like.
1: Yeah. And so
0: getting their perspective and their opinion and their buy-in will make that, that journey easier when they start implementing a plan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is exactly what I mean when I say getting organizations, people within organizations to change the way that they work and the way that they think every single day. It's about yeah. activating that you know, through every single level of that org chart.
0: Yeah. The one thing I think is interesting is the, most companies think that they deliver an amazing experience.
1: <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> right uh, but most customers don't actually believe that these companies deliver a great experience so how can organizations know or what's the what's the mark or what what should they be measuring or what should they be thinking about or what questions should they ask internally i just asked about 15 questions in that one question there but you know how how can they know in is it surveying the customer or is it something else
1: yeah. So absolutely it's surveying the customer but it's a th- that is just one tool in that voice of the customer toolkit. Um, it's you know going out and doing one-on-one interviews. It's doing observational research. It's collecting data from so many different sources today that we have access to. It's looking at social media. So, you know, and I named just a handful in that there's there's many 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 more ways to to do that. Um I think the one thing you're not asking, but i but I want to um, just narrow in on is that we talk about a good experience. Um, and so, what does it mean to really have a good experience? Um, and and what what is a good experience with, I'm just gonna say Apple, um, what's a good experience with um, Walmart? What's a good experience with um, I don't know, a fast food restaurant, a high-end hotel, I mean, they're all going to be different because there are different expectations for those different types of experiences based on the price point, um, based on what the brand is going out there and um, you know, putting out there as, as what they want to be known for, what they're standing for. And so I think one other thing that's really important that organizations don't do in in understanding whether or not they're delivering a good experience is really keying in on some of those things that they really are trying to differentiate on in the market. So it's not, you you know, is it just could you accomplish your task? And was it frustrating? Or, you know, some of those kind of more basic, what's your level of effort? How likely are you to recommend It's It's like, okay, yes, we got to ask all those questions and and understand those things. But I think it's really interesting for organizations to ask questions about some of those things that they they want to stand for. So, you know, let's say that they are um, trying to be Transparent, um, you know, and that's something that they're actively working on. Well, then ask questions about that. <laughs> ask your customers, you know, how transparent did you feel this loan process was, or or whatever it is. And so, um, I think that's a great exercise that every organization should go through. What are the things that you're you're standing for? And it, let's call it like, you know, come up with five, six, you know, four, a handful of words or phrases that you really. Want to be embodied in your customer experience, and then and then ask people, are, you know, did they did they feel that particular way? Did they get that sense from the experience? Um, so that to me is good. Good is different, and we got to start recognizing that.
0: Yeah. So you shouldn't be like everybody else.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is behind like, you know, so many different strategies, marketing strategies, product strategies, you know, high level corporate strategies. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and honestly, there are some organizations that are like, we just want to be the fast followers. You know, we don't want to be the people out there who are, um, you know, leading the way and taking all the big risks. OK, and that's fine. But but then just own that and, and make sure that that's the experience you're delivering in a competitive market. Does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your client's pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24/7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes.
0: Yeah, I, I like that because it kind of goes back to the, the statement that I made about the corporate why. Like, what are the mission, vision, and values? Mm-hmm. And if if they're not the right mission, vision, values, don't just put them up, put, put them up on the wall and set, up, set them and forget them, right? It's yeah. It's do we actually live by these? Are these important to us? And then from there, maybe if if one of them is transparency, maybe you ask about the transparency. If it's about something else, making sure that maybe that's the questions that you are asking your customers to making sure you're living by those mission, vision, and values.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I'll also say that when you're creating the mission, vision, values um, or your brand attributes or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm you got to take into account what your organization is Actually, capable of delivering based on the messages and the support you're getting from you know the C-suite, um, based on your corporate culture, based on um, the technology that you're willing to invest in. Because anyone can go out and, as you said, like you know, put these things up on the wall. But then you're making a promise to customers, and if you are not delivering on that, and and especially if your organization is just not capable today of delivering on that then don't make that promise make that your internal secret vision and then work to get that but don't start putting promises out into the world that are just going to fall flat because you haven't activated the organization or your culture to be able to do that
0: i think every organization needs to hear that last minute of that of that episode is just go back and, and rehearse this and replay it into the, the leadership of every organization. Because if you don't do that, uh, somebody else is, and then they're probably your competition.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about, you know, when it comes to the, the journey of the customer, um, you know, I've, I think we've seen a lot of organizations like the, the B2C, there's so much talk on that. And But one thing I see you working on a lot is the B2B. So what's one thing maybe organizations can focus on? Maybe what's one thing they can do to improve the experience uh, when it comes to the B2B?
1: Yeah. So I, I do work with a lot of B2B organizations. And I do a lot of customer research with their customers. And there is one theme that comes up again and again and again. It doesn't matter if I'm working with you know a medical device company or the B2B section of a financial services company or whatever it is. The B2B relationships are, are true relationships. The, the entire experience revolves around a human-to-human interaction. Now, this isn't You know, 100%. Certainly, there are B2B organizations that are kind of more automated and, you know, leveraging technology more. But there are so many B2B organizations out there that, you know, the customer is truly relying on their account rep, or maybe it's their um, customer success manager or whoever it is. They are relying on that one person to be their lifeline back into that organization that they are doing business with. Um, it's how they understand what is changing, what to expect, pricing changes, product changes, how they get help. You know, I've talked to um, customers who are like, I'm not going to call customer support or whoever, like, I'm just going to call my account rep, and then they're going to figure out how to get this done for me. And so one thing that is really disrupt disruptive to these B2B customer experiences is when that one person gets moved into another position, or goes to work at a different company, or or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, that customer is left without a lifeline. And so um, this is just something that organizations It it, it to me is like such low hanging fruit. It is, I mean, I say it's easy. It's not necessarily easy, but compared to a lot of other things, it is really easy to just get in front of that relationship management. If you are planning some organizational change Along with that, put into plans to proactively tell people about the relationship changes way before they even happen. And then you also have to have a plan in place for reactive. Let's say, um, you know. Um, someone just quits and says, you know, today's my last day. Okay, what are you going to do? You've got to have a plan in place for reaching out to the people that they have relationships with those customers to let them know what's happened. So sometimes, you know, you can't always plan in advance, but you can have a plan for being reactive when something changes. But those relationships are just so important. And this is, this is low hanging fruit to make sure your customers are, are happy and getting the, 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 the level of service that they've really they really expect.
0: Yeah, I mean at the end of the day they're doing business with that specific person and yeah, then they secondary
1: think, they think of yeah. the company as that person. That's um, right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so if they don't have the relationship or they're not being cultivated or or kind of reached somebody's not reaching out to them if somebody either moves up or moves out then they're kind of starting at square one and that's the oh. same level as your competition.
1: Yeah. That is a great, great point. So, yeah, all of the knowledge transfer that, um, you know, goes along with that, you know, and again, the knowledge transfer with a proactive change is going to be different than the knowledge transfer with a reactive change. Um, but yeah, it's, it's such a critical part. Your, your, your customers do not want to feel like they're starting over. And Nick, I love your point that, um, yeah, that that really kind of levels you out with with your competition at that point.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So you have this book uh, that no one in customer experience has ever heard of called <laughs> Outside In, The Power of Putting Customers at the Center of Your Business. It's an amazing book. I love it. Um, and every single person that I've ever asked or, you know, I go to an event and we kind of talk about, hey, what's our favorite customer experience books? Or if you were to recommend a book. Um, and a lot of actually my guests have recommended Outside In.
1: Oh, that's
0: and so, nice. so it's very awesome. So I'm actually glad that I got to uh, hang out with you for a little bit. But, you know, talk for the people, for the for the three and a half people who don't know about what Outside In is about, maybe give them a quick synopsis.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, the book starts out... Talking about why you should care about customer experience, Um, and it makes the business case for it. It Talks about um, again this idea that everyone in an organization is connected to the customer experience. So it's it's really laying the case for how customer experience is different from other customer experience or customer focused disciplines, why you should care about it, what it's all about. And then um, the main section of the book is um, really all about how organizations need to change what they need to do in order to deliver that vision that we've gotten them all excited about at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that's the synopsis. And I don't know, what was that, 20 seconds or 30 seconds or so?
0: No, it was way quicker and way way more succinct than I could have ever done it. So uh, well done. You know a question I have for you though is you know you wrote this book uh you know a handful of years ago what what's changed since you wrote the book
1: yeah, so um when we wrote the book we we specifically did not include a lot about technology in it. We really focus, there's a little bit about technology in it, like customer sentiment analysis and, you know, a couple of things like that. Um, but even those technologies we talk about at a, a, a very high level. Um, and, and we did that because we realized that the customer experience is really about how the organization works and yes technology is an enabler of that but if you don't get the organizational piece right it doesn't matter what fancy technology you bring in you know you're you're not going to be able to activate the organization to be able to to leverage that technology in in effective ways and so um so one thing that i'll say hasn't changed is or hasn't changed so quickly is, you know, the state of organizations, you know, there, you can pick up outside in today, um, or you could have picked it up, um, you know, when it was originally published and, you know, someone can get exactly the same thing out of it because they're like, "Oh yeah, this is how my organization works." Organizations change on a very, very slow timescale. What changes really quickly is technology, and so I would say that's the big thing that has changed since the book came out. Um, obviously, there there was a lot of customer experience technology at the time, um, but you know, God, over the the years since it's been published. Um, You know, so much um, more technology in the spaces of customer data, you know, collecting that data, analyzing it, connecting it, aggregating it, and then all of the artificial intelligence. Um, you know uh, platforms that have come out for you know so many different things. Um, you know, the artificial intelligence certainly in the, in the contact center. I'm working with um, a client right now that uses artificial intelligence in the home closing process. I mean, it is just completely changing every single organization, or at least it has the the capability to. Um, and so. That's the big thing that's changed. Um, And so I'm really glad we didn't write about technology in the book, because (laughs) then I think we would have had a bit of a a challenge in terms of it being relevant today, but it's still relevant. And then you got to add in all the technology piece and, and make sense of that.
0: Yeah. You just have the foundation of outside in the book. And then you just have a series of volumes kind of like the encyclopedia where every year you have to write a technology book because it's going to change. Oh my God. Year. I love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you I give have me so, so many... many ideas for, for
1: new books. It's great.
0: You, you, you just reach out to me at any time. I'll give you another 10 books. Thank you. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, I fully <laughs> expect one 10th of a penny on every single book.
1: Okay. Okay. That's a deal.
0: <laughs> this is great. I've had so much fun. Uh, Carrie, I have two questions at the very end for every guest. And the first one is uh, what's one book or person in customer service or customer experience who's influenced you the most in the last year. So I'll, I'll stop there.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say the person is Matt Watkinson. Um, and The reason that he has influenced me is that he is just no BS about Mm -hmm. anything. Um, You should absolutely follow him on LinkedIn, read his posts. Um, You know, he is never going to post anything that is dribble or not worth reading. It's always just so thoughtful, so insightful. And again, it's like no BS. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely follow him.
0: Yeah. I I follow him on LinkedIn and I would 100% agree. He's very very clear on what he says and he has no fluff in his in his uh, articles and I think it's it's very it's purposeful writing and I think it's refreshing when there's not a whole lot of fluff in there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know the other thing um so many people write with an agenda of I want you to read this and then buy something from me and yeah, that, that's not his shtick. So, I, yeah.
0: I love it. Very cool. And then the second one I have for you is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say?
1: It would say just a few words. And it would be something that I would want them to write on a sticky note or put on a graphic and put it on their desktop or you know however they want to keep it front and center. Um, and the message is the customer is not like me. Uh, this is actually something that I learned in grad school at at Carnegie Mellon. Um, I had to write on every single paper, every single exam. The user is not like me. We were focused on user experience. Um, And it was just pounded into us in every single class all the time. And I I think it's something that um, a lot of people struggle with because, you know, it's like, oh, well, I've shopped for a car or I've bought a house or I've purchased a shirt whatever. So this is what I want. Um, and this is what I would need and what I expect, but you know, your, your customers are not like you. And that's just the one thing that we gotta, gotta keep in mind. I'm not trying to create a division there. I'm actually trying to bring people closer together by realizing those differences and being able to recognize them and then act on them.
0: Yeah. I think it's important too, because we do have our, our, our bias, which is the way that we do it. Uh, but if you're not actually actively listening to what your customer wants or customers want, mm. then it's hard to actually make a educated decision on what they want to do in the future. Yeah. So love it. Um, I love Write it that. down, that was, put it on I, a sticky
1: note. I want everyone listening to this to get out a pad of sticky notes right now and write it down. <laughs>
0: I, I fully expect them to listen to this episode every morning. And so oh, fantastic. it'll be in grade. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. Um, right. <laughs> on top of that. So then their nighttime reading material is going to be outside in the power of putting customers at the center of your business. So it's going to be a constant carry. It's uh, it's going to be amazing.
1: Love it. Love it. <laughs> so
0: Carrie, if my listeners are saying I, for some reason uh, in this crazy world have never connected with Carrie, how do they go about doing that?
1: Hey, just Google me um, and you're going to find my website. You're going to find me on LinkedIn. Um, go to CarrieBodine.com if, if you don't want to do the, the search part of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just my name and uh, you'll, you'll get to everything that you could possibly um, want to know uh, about me, what I do and how to connect with me. So love, love to it. hear from the people who are listening to your podcast.
0: Very cool. Carrie, thanks so much for your time. I've had a blast. I've laughed a lot and uh, I've learned even more. So thanks so much.
1: Excellent. It's been my pleasure, Nick. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to press one for Nick.com forward slash podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Press 1 for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers.
0: Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.